Good evening, everyone, and welcome to our evening with guests. This is Friday Night with Friends, and we are so happy to have Lindsay with us. If this is your first time with us, we welcome you. You are on the digital campus of Newark United Pentecostal Church, and we are excited that you have chosen to join us. And uh, this is a little different than our typical evening broadcasts. Uh, there's not a message, but rather there is a friend. And we're going to spend some time talking together and uh, enjoying one another's company. And we invite you all to join us as we do that. And uh, so let me introduce our guest. This is Lindsay Blanchett. And uh, she is a good friend. And over the years, we have spent a lot of time around, wait for it, Bible cuisine. Yes. <laughs> we have spent a lot of time. But Lindsay is actually local. Most of our guests over the, the last year or so, as we've been in this COVID, have been people from all around the world and even the nation. Uh, but Lindsay's just across town. Uh, Lindsay's a member of Wilmington Apostolic Pentecostal Church. And uh, so we get to see her much more frequently at community meetings. And uh, her pastor is Pastor Stan Seth, who is my my brother from another mother, Amen. and uh, we're, we're best buds. He's my big little brother. He's uh, much older than me. Let that resonate just a little bit in case he ever watches this. Much older than me, but he's younger than me in the Lord, so that's where the big little brother, and uh, if you know Pastor Seth, he is a, um, he's a distinguished man. You will not miss him in a crowd. Um, Anytime we're in trouble, Lindsay, I get behind him. I just say, Stanley, you have heard. Yeah, I'll just get right behind you. You, you, you forge the way forward and uh, I'll follow. But tonight's about Lindsay and I'm so excited. Thank you, Lindsay, first of all, for choosing and being willing to come on with us. And uh, I hope that you enjoy it as much as we will. So let me start out with uh, asking you a question and I, I'm embarrassed. I, I told you this already on the phone. So folks, a, a while back, like I said, we've spent a lot of time in quizzing, several years, multiple years. And so I would see Lindsay at quiz practices and things, and she was coaching and involved. So I knew who she was in general, but she was new to Wilmington. She was not a part of Wilmington Church as it was being planted out of Newark. And uh, so I finally, one time we went out for pizza, the whole crew went out for pizza and we're, I mean, we've jammed into Pat's Pizzeria and it was probably 30 or 40 of us all jammed in there and people were sitting all over places. And so I come over and I plop into a booth and I go, who are you and what's your story? And, you know, that's just me. I just, you know, hit her straight between the eyeballs. And so she tells me this whole story and folks, I can't remember a word of it. So I had to get on the phone. I went, Lindsay, I want to hear the story again, but I can't remember what it is. I can't remember what you told me. And uh, so it'll make it more fun tonight for me, Lindsay, is because I, I can't remember a word you told me. And I interrogated you that day. So yeah, you did. I know it was rude, but it was me. So I hope that you've learned to love yeah. me as, as many others have. And if not, at least tolerate me. I think most people just tolerate me, but a few actually learned to love me. My wife loves me, I think, I hope most days. So let's back up and um, tell us the backstory. So where's Lindsay from? I know that you're not originally from Wilmington, Delaware. So mm -hmm. where are you from? Where, who are your parents? Your, do you have siblings? Where were you schooled? Hobbies? Give us kind of the background of, of Lindsay. Who's Lindsay? Okay. Um, I grew up in New Smyrna Beach, Florida. So it's like a really small beach town close to Daytona Beach. And I was, grew up as a beach bum. I loved being in the water. I loved being on the river. 
Um, I have three siblings, one in which is my identical twin. Um, her name You're is a Lauren. twin. Yes. Awesome. We have yes. another twin on our pastoral team, Meg Ahmedpour, who, who also has a twin. All right. So there's another detail I had totally. Did yeah. you tell me that when we said, I don't think you told me. I that. don't think I told you that. Yeah, I don't think you did either. Okay. So you got a twin and who else? Um, I have an older sister, Brittany, and a younger brother, Ryan. All right. And, um, yeah, we lived on the beach side. I loved playing soccer. I was a lifer on the beach. I did was really into uh, Yeah. Um, I got hurt one time, so I kind of stopped surfing. Okay. I, the surfboard did you, did broke a hole in my neck, did... and I just walked home, and I was just like, ah, it's fine. I went to my soccer practice, and that's just how I live my life, you know? Wow. Um, but did you, did you deep sea dive? Yeah, I have my scuba diving license. Oh, now I'm jealous. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. I so I, want to have that. I love the snorkel, but I've never gotten my deep sea license yet. Yeah, I haven't used it enough. And I actually, um, I did it through my high school as my, my senior project. So it was funny because it didn't have anything to do with my senior project, but somehow I made it work. Cool. Yeah. All right. So you grew up, at, you grew up a beach bum then. So you're growing up on the beach, always in the water. Mm-hmm. What? So, were you real athletic? I mean, I'm. I'm yeah, hearing. I played. I mean, I played basketball. I played soccer, and um, I did weightlifting. So, I, I was just very athletic, um, very team oriented. And then, uh, after high school, I went to University of Florida to get my civil engineering degree, and I wanted to be a goalie at University of Florida for a soccer team, but I, I, I didn't ever try out. It just never happened. But I continued my uh, my sports playing at UF through intramurals and stuff like that. So, awesome, awesome. So, you, did you end up doing civil engineering? Yes, I am a civil engineer. All right. So, what about civil engineering attracted you? Because um, most people go roads. Well, so okay. So I started out as wanting to be a bio me, uh, biomedical engineer, but you have to basically get a bio degree or a medical degree and an engineering degree. And I was like, there's no way. Like, so it's, two, it's two degrees at the same time. So you're yeah, at, the major. Yeah, at the same time. And yeah. neither one are easy. Engineering is not easy and neither no. is either bio or medical. No. And then I thought I switched into chemical engineering, but I guess I didn't. Um, when, I, when I switched it again, I was actually in mechanical engineering. I didn't know why I wasn't passing everything and like doing well. And they kept saying, you're like about to get kicked out of the program but I was in the wrong degree. Um, but anyways, I ended up switching to civil because I just really like how it provides the things that people need. So it provides water. Like, I'm just really interested in how, like, I don't want to take those things for granted. Yeah. And, and I would like to use it in some way later on in my life at some point. Well, I can, I can tell you, as you, I'm sure know, Regina and I have spent uh, a few a few trips over to the country of Nigeria and um, in a country that due to many reasons is lacking in many of those basics mm-hmm. that we expect. Um, yeah, it has a big impact on life, like yes. a big time impact it on does. life. Absolutely. We, we need to be very thankful for, uh, for all that we have. And of course, what you, what you all supply to us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So you, uh, was that a four-year degree or a five-year degree? Uh, it was, it was a five-year degree. 
Okay. Yeah, that's and that's why I was thinking is because a lot of times those degrees are, are a little longer, a little bit more intense. So you graduate from college. So then you're what, 22? I was actually 24. Yeah, 24 when I graduated. Okay. I changed and, my degrees a few times, you know, stuff like that. So. Yeah. So you stretched it out a little bit. Yeah. Understood. Understood. And uh, it's about the destination and it's also about the journey. So it's a balance of those two. All right. So you graduate with civil engineering. Uh, did you, did you stay, you stayed active in sports and you stayed, uh, was University of Florida near the beach or was it inland? No, it's way in the country. Okay. Yeah. So you kind of left your beach, your beach environment, but you still tried to stay out athletic in that. So then you graduate and then what happens? Um, I got a dredging job. So not many people know what dredging Wait a minute. is. But a dredging job? Yeah. So I was a site engineer on a dredge. Um, Basically, I don't. Many people don't know what it is, but it's an excavator, like a a, a bucket dredge um, on a barge. So it just gets pushed around by a tug, and you dig out the channels and harbors. And um, we did some military basins and whatnot. So. And this is all still in Florida, or something? No, like this is at this point. Um, I start moving with the wherever the dredge goes, I go. Uh, I work uh, two week on, one week off um, rotation, and they fly me home or they fly me wherever, kind of wherever I want to go on my week off, and and then I go back to the dredge. So I I lived, I, I say lived, but all these are like three months long. Um, you know, in Staten Island and uh, Jacksonville Beach, Florida, Maryland, uh, Philadelphia, Wilmington, uh, yeah. So you moved around a good bit. So where was your home base, though? If you went home, was it still Florida? Yeah, I still went home for, to Florida. Okay. So how long did you work work this uh, this dredge job? For a year and a half. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So you're moving around the country, wherever the dredging work is, you're going there. And and what? let's spend a moment. What were you specifically doing? What was your role in this? So basically, like, when, you're, when your goal is to dig to a certain depth, you don't want to dig over that depth because you're digging material that you're not getting paid over, paid for. So I was doing volumes and surveys every day and I'd be like, hey, you need to lift the bucket up a little bit or you need to not dig that way. And we'd do a certain pattern that, and then um, there's the thing called a drag barge. And it's kind of like that thing at like a baseball game, whenever they go and yes. smooth out the lines, it's like a huge one of those. That's um, down in the water and it's being yeah, they're down in the, the water bottom. and it smooths it out because then we could skip, you know, skip buckets and then um, flatten it. Takes us kind of more efficient. So I just uh, did production. So you were kind of checking out whether they were bringing in too much or not enough as far as the volume and what you were supposed to do based upon the specifications of the job. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So year and a half. Why'd you change? Well, because I wanted to stay in Wilmington. Ah, well, now wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's back up then. So yeah. you, you came to Wilmington as one of these jobs. Mm -hmm. Okay, so specifically in Wilmington, what were you dredging? Delaware River? Yes. Okay, so you were Actually, right? no, we, we dredged the Philadelphia Naval Basin. We did both. Philadelphia Naval Basin, though, is really what we did, which was a okay. crazy job. But anyways, yeah. So that's that section of area that's up near the Navy yards, right? Where all those big ships are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that brings you to Wilmington. And so what happened that made you want to stay in Wilmington? Well, I started 
Well, first I went to your church. So whenever I was doing this, I would, my first thing would be to find a church and figure out, like, just try to get involved as much as I can, go to church as much as I can. Um, I couldn't really go on Sundays because of, well, evenings I could, but mornings because I was working. But I- Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Time out, time out. Did you grow up in the church? No. Okay, so you didn't grow up in the church. All right. (laughs) Which that's not a surprise. Apostolic Pentecostals in the description of the beach bum. Yeah, there's there's a little bit of disconnect. <laughs> okay, so I got that. So when did you come in contact with with God? Did you grow up religious somewhere? Um, yeah. You- so I, I grew up Catholic, and then as I um, left um, home and went to school, I started studying Islam and Rastafarian through my boyfriend. I started really getting into that, and then um me and him broke up and you know I was just doing a lot of things that that I don't know I was you know doing drugs like um drinking you know just doing things of the world and and none of those I didn't really think any of those things were wrong but I didn't know who I was anymore so I church was always like a feel-good place for me and I knew this Haitian girl at my work at Outback that I could just tell there was something different about her really and I was like, hey, can I go to church with you? And I went to church with her. And, and now, it this, was, is in, this is in Florida? This is in Gainesville, Florida. Yeah. Okay. All right. So in Gainesville. This is my Florida. last semester of college. All right. Okay. Yeah. So you 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 see the, the was this girl always preaching or was she just No, something? she just, um she was just super nice. Like, and uh, to everyone, it didn't matter what race you were, what ethnicity you were it just something about her that just really stuck out to me and she was the only person I knew that went to church <laughs> so and when I asked her like you have to go to church twice a day twice on Sunday she goes no I want to go to church twice on Sundays and I was like why you know like so I just asked her if I could go with her and um it was Jeff Arnold's church um, yeah I was gonna I was I was just getting ready to ask so was it Jeff yeah. was it the Famous Jeff Arnold's church. Yes. Yes, <laughs> All it right. was. So, um, and I just felt like it spoke right to me. And I only got to go once and then I went home for the summer and my life started to change a little bit. And then I came back and for some reason, you know, I wanted to go back because really because of my relationship with Makina, the girl that brought me there. So I started um, just going more and more and so wait, 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 wait. Now I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to be careful not to preach here because I'm I'm feeling like I want to preach right now, but I'm I'm gonna resist the temptation. But let me ask a couple of loaded questions. So did Makina quote a lot of scripture to you? No. Did did Makina preach sermons to you? No. What did Makina she actually quote? wouldn't even give me the Bible study? She had someone else give me the Bible study. Oh my goodness, look at this. So all Makina did was be your friend. Yes. Mm, all right, I got to shut my mouth because I want to yeah. preach right now. You already know how I want to preach right yeah. now. But we'll we'll come back to that later, folks. Yeah. We'll come back to that. Uh, those who have ears to hear should already be hearing what the Spirit is speaking right now. But anyway, so <laughs> the witness was not preaching. The witness was not a bunch of scripture. The witness was this girl who treated everybody fairly and nicely and was kind. Mm-hmm. And she liked being a Christian. And suddenly you, who kind of were losing your way, because you didn't know who you were said, Hey, I like what I see, or I like what I feel. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So you go home, you come back in the summer, you, you go home for the summer. Then you come, when you come back, 
uh, you're already graduated at that point or no? No. So um, my first time I went was right before my last semester. Got it. Okay. So I spent my last semester going to um, uh, Pentecostal of Gainesville. And it was actually my only semester I got straight A's. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a whole sermon there, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> All right, go ahead. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so it just, uh, my life gradually changed. Uh, I don't know. And no one ever told me what to do, like in the sense of, you know, drugs and alcohol and the way I dressed. And, but, um, but yeah, it just gradually changed. So did you, uh, did you experience the Holy Ghost in Gainesville? Yes. So I, um, Alex Martinez, one of their ministers there was preaching one day and I just felt like I need to get baptized. So I got baptized. And then it was funny because I was 24 years old and I always wanted to go to the youth conferences because like, it was just what there was to do. So they had this camp, um, I forget what it's called, Camp Crystal maybe back then or something, but it was a youth camp. And I went to this youth camp and I ended up getting filled with the Holy Ghost there. Awesome. But like, as I was traveling after that, I would always find youth conferences and I'd be like, everybody's so young here. And I would be so confused because I didn't understand like youth, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Do you remember who was preaching the camp? Um, I actually, I can't remember his name. But he is a Bible quizzing coach, I'm pretty sure. Interesting. Yeah. So, so you mean it wasn't really important who was preaching the camp then, huh? No. <laughs> All right. I got to really quit throwing these softballs. I'm, I'm, I'm I like it, your, though. I'm using your story to make points. Anyway, yeah. so that's exciting. Okay, so by the time, so when you take the dredging job that's taking you around the country and that, you're filled with the Holy Ghost. You've experienced the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. Mm -hmm. You've been baptized and you're already life is changing yeah. and not because people are sitting down and teaching you things, but, but it's just changing by, by the atmosphere that you're in and by the work of the spirit. Yes. All right. So that brings you somewhere in the hour and a, in the, in the year and a half that brings you to Wilmington. So now what's this thing you said you came to Newark first. I did. Now I am remembering this part. I'm not yeah. sure if I like. I actually remember part. what you even talked about. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And your, your dad kept turning around and talking to me during your sermon. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Dad was old <laughs> enough at that point that he was already talking during church. Yeah, Absolutely. It was Absolutely. funny. What year would that have been about? Uh, it was 2016. So I was only in the, I was um, nine months, maybe nine months, 10 months into um, going to church and whatnot. all the experience that you just described. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And did you sit up, you sat up behind him on the, on the right-hand side in like the second pew, right? Well, I actually sat one row behind him and he still talked to me over the row. <laughs> yeah. That, dad, at that point, dad had lost all his filters. Hey, dad, if you're listening, we love you. We know, we yeah. know who you that are. Great. You, you, you never did have great filters anyway, even all through life, but it got worse as you got older. Uh, I loved it. So it's okay. <laughs> God help the world when I yeah. get there. I'm worse than him now. Anyway. Okay. So I do remember vaguely, got to admit it was vaguely, mm -hmm. but I do remember a young lady coming and sitting in that general direction. So you came what once or twice? Um, so what happened was I wanted to go to Wilmington Apostolic because it seemed to be closer to where I lived. Okay. And I always just went to the closest one. Like okay. I didn't know anything about the 
pastors or whatever. But anyways, uh, but I looked at their website and it was out of date and it didn't say that they had Wednesday night service. So I didn't go there. So I went to yours. Was so it then, a Wednesday night when you came? It was a Wednesday night. Got it. Okay. So then I went to um, Wilmington on Sunday and then I never went back to Newark. Oh, Stanley, Seth, you stole a sheep. <laughs> you sheep stealer. No, I'm kidding. If you're a visitor with us, please, please, please. Let me put a blurb in here. So Stan, Seth and the Wilmington Apostolic Church were actually birthed out of Newark. He and I, our ministries, his calling and mine actually were dovetailed. In fact, we would weekly, he would come from his executive job at Avon. I was uh, freshly back from my master's degree and uh, was working for the church. And he and I would come and we would sit on a, on a couch across from my dad every single, I think it was every single Tuesday for like two hours. And my dad would well, he would do various things about our ministry and that. So Stan and I grew up together. So I really wasn't yelling at Stan. I was just having a little fun. Hopefully yeah. he'll see this broadcast and sheep stealer. I could have had Lindsay. Now I'm mad. You stole her. Anyway, no, that's awesome. So you went, so you started going to, to Wilmington. Once you went there that Sunday, you never went back. So um, how long were you in Wilmington on the dredge job? Um, I was there for maybe six months maybe five months. It was a longer project. Um, and actually at one point I lived in Maryland and White Marsh and I was still driving to Wilmington because uh, gotten bonded in. I just knew that's where I needed to be. And, and, um, yeah. So by, the, so by the time the dredging job ended, you'd been at Wilmington then, uh, and been serving God in the in the aspect that we've been talking about, receiving the Holy Ghost and all of that yeah. for less than two years, about a year and a half then. Yes. Okay. So the job is going to take you someplace else. So what'd you do? Um, well, I moved to the other, it was Jacksonville, Florida. So I was back home, which was great, but I um, just started praying about it. I started um, looking for different jobs because I knew I felt like I needed to be stationary to serve God and just really like hone in on my relationship with God. And so I started looking for jobs and I figured if I open up, if I give opportunity or open up opportunities for in different areas, God will show me where to go. So I applied to jobs in Florida and I applied to jobs in Delaware and I applied to jobs in Colorado because my sister lived there. And okay. I got the job in Delaware. Or your older sister? My twin. Okay. Yeah. So, and I got a call from someone in, in uh, Westchester, PA, and I didn't even remember applying for the job. Um, I was like, I don't really want to do what you're asking me to do, but sure, I'll interview. And and I, I got the job and moved here. Awesome. Is that where you still work? Yes. And I love it. Look at that. And I do what I want to do. <laughs> When you thought that you weren't going to be doing what yeah. you wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. The Lord's, the Lord's awesome that way. Yeah. Okay. So that's interesting. I did not realize. So that was my next question is how did you get the Wilmington apostolic? But now we kind of fell, we fell yeah. right into that one and explained it. So the dredging job brought you to Wilmington and then you found your way there. That's, that's fascinating. That is very, yeah. very fascinating. And what's really cool, Lindsay, about this is, is, I love the fact that when we get the right perspective about kingdom, there's just one kingdom. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that, you know, it almost seems happenstance. And yet there are so many things that are not happenstance. They are the, 
the hand of God as he is working things out. But I love the net, if you will, that is created when we have multiple churches so that no matter where you went, you were bouncing into an apostolic message and you were in a place where God's spirit could draw you. And, yeah, and I went to five different churches and I never felt like I didn't get spoken to. So like disclaimer, like, you know, that's how I knew that I was meant to be at Wilmington because I was still being spoken to everywhere, but this was where I felt like I needed to stay. There I was guess. something extra. It was yeah. more than just being fed. There was yeah. something connective yeah. to it. All right. So let's, let's talk about this because one of the interesting things, and I, and I would like to say this, that uh, Pastor Seth and I each are um, two sides of a, of a coin, if you will. I, I mentioned that our ministries really, even though our ages are different, and I like to tease him about being an old man, but I'm getting there. I'm only a few years away from 50, so here we go. But anyway, I like to tease him about that, but our ministries really run in parallel. Uh, when I came home and uh, married my wife and, and began really in earnest my ministry uh, after finishing my master's degree, Stan had, had really kind of probably in the year or so before, uh, really said, hey, I've got a call upon my life. And, and so one of the things that we did is we actually uh, did prison work together, not at the same time, but we worked in, in Gander Hill uh, and Young Correctional Facility. And so we would go in. In fact, he went even more gangbusters than I did, but we worked in parallel for, for several years. And then the Lord directed me back into schooling. And so uh, I spent a number of years starting in 2005, uh, all the way up until 2012, uh, working on, uh, actually, excuse me, not 2005. That was when I became pastor. But in 2000, I started my PhD work. And so that took me out of the prison work and him starting a church kind of took him out of the prison work. And, uh, and so we continued to work along. But one of the characteristics that both of us grew up in uh, under my father's pastorate was this, this commitment to breaking down barriers. Barriers, yes, of race. That was the most obvious one that we first faced. Um, but, but then continuing that, socioeconomic backgrounds, cultural backgrounds, educational backgrounds, um, nations of origin, all of these different diversity things. And so that, that was kind of, it was a part of our DNA in Newark as we grew up in our ministries. And so it's continued. Uh, and, and obviously I have the benefit of standing on the shoulders of, of my father and my mother and all the work that they did. And so I've carried that forward. And uh, Stan, in starting the church, Pastor Seth, in starting the church, of course, you start fresh. And so you're, you're working with new people and you're building it and you're kind of building the DNA and the feel of, of, of a church. And so what was, what was it like walking into, at that time, Wilmington would have been a little smaller than it is now, because it's mm -hmm. grown over the last few years. Um, what was it like? What was, what was the story? What was your experience of diversity in, in the Gainesville church? What was, what was your story as you traveled around because uh, traveling also exposes you to things. Mm -hmm. What was the story of diversity within your life? And how, and, and what do you think that, what role did that play of, of why you felt this attraction or this, this draw or even call to Wilmington? Um, I think uh, I'll have to start out by giving you some context. It's always important to have context. So um, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, Lindsay, is you are you completed your degree or you're almost done with your? I'm not. I'm like two and a half years from being done. So. All right. So Lindsay is in a graduate program, 
And I can tell you that she's in a graduate program in a theological school because she just used a loaded word. I need to give you context. Very good, Lindsay. Somebody's teaching you right. That's yeah. a very good way to say that. I just wanted to acknowledge it. Those of you that have studied, you know exactly where it is. So what's the context, Lindsay? Okay. So growing up um, on this, I like on the, in, at this small beach town, it was I, it wasn't interracial. It wasn't diverse. So in my elementary school, there was probably two, well, what I know of, two Hispanic people, one mixed person, and that's it. You know, everything else was white. And as you move into middle school, three cities get combined together. And it's like a country, somewhat country city, um, somewhat, um, you know, black and white mixed, and then the beach side. So whenever we came together, um, just I saw different things happening. I, I saw that it wasn't okay for us to have black friends. Um, it, it wasn't. So in school, it wasn't. So it was really in school and in and sports and stuff was fine, but in like our family and society, it ah, I got where it. I lived, it wasn't. Um, it was frowned upon to have. Um, you know, African-American friends or, or really what really hit was um, a boyfriend. And my sister had even hid that something like that from my parents. And whenever she rode in a car with him somewhere, a, a lot of people called my mom, you know, it was, so there was just this um, a very racial divide. And then when I moved to high school, there was a lot of the country people tended to have Confederate flags, have, you know, they were just very, um, I don't know, they didn't like black people. And then there was actually a day where, where they closed down the school for a whole day because they were scared of riots. So it was like this battle in my school continuously. And, you know, I even, I, I would like to say that I stood up and stood up against these things but I, I, I really didn't. I, I knew it was wrong. I, I subconsciously stood up to them by trying to be friends with people. But honestly, they didn't want to be friends with me either. And because of different things, I think because they assumed I was entitled. And, and I hated that feeling of that I was superior to them when I knew that there was something special about, you know, all these people. And I always wanted to look for what was special in them. So I move out of my hometown and and I go to college and that kind of ends a little bit. I see a little bit more diversity. And then I start um, dating a Jamaican guy and I just refuse to hide it from my parents. And honestly, in the end, they were they ended up loving him, you know? So like this divide this wall was slowly broken down in my life, but going to Wilmington, it was so important to be accepted and not feel like I was looked at as a white person that was superior or felt like she was superior um, because that was such something that weighed heavily on me. I didn't- From, want your, from your past and from that yeah. past experience. Yeah. So you walk into Wilmington, what did you feel? I felt love. I felt like I was welcomed. I felt like it was a safe place to be. And I really wanted a safe place to learn other people's burdens and what they wanted, they went through as well, because I wanted to understand that. Um, 
in high school, like, I just, I wasn't, I didn't have any black friends. They, outside of sports, outside of, or really any other race. And I had one mixed friend, but she had a white family. She was adopted into that family, you know? So, and even in, you know, it was just frowned upon to have um, different race friends, I guess. And that, it's interesting, Lindsay, as you're talking here, I'm, I'm listening and, and uh, you know, our nation right now, I don't need to tell our audience that, you know, we, we have, we are in the midst of a lot of back and forth of societal pressures. Yeah. And um, some of them are very nasty. Many mm-hmm. of them are very, very unchristian. Um, and unfortunately, there are times that it even permeates into the church because um, it's interesting listening to your story because I hear some intentionality. In other words, on the part of society, maybe there's intentional things, socioeconomic pressures, how much money do you have? Where do you Mm -hmm. live? What do you have access to? But then I also hear just these not intended, but these, these barriers, these, because you just don't spend time with a person. Yeah. You don't spend time together. Yeah. And that and the ignorance that comes from that then ratifies these problems. And I think in the era in which we're living right now, this past year, um, again, America's sins are bubbling to the surface. And it's interesting to me listening to you, and and I really did want to know the story because I know Pastor Seth's heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I joke about him. I love to make fun of him. I love to be everything that Steve is to Brother Stan. But um, his heart beats for for justice, mm-hmm. for fairness. Um, he has in his story, and I'm sure he shared many of it with the congregation, but it's not my story to tell today. But I know that in things that he's experienced, um, he has every reason to go a different path. And yet that that path that he chose, the trust that that he gave to my father and my mother, the the love that he gave to my wife and to my to myself, Millicent, their family, they put their baby. She's not a baby anymore. She's a grown woman with children herself, but they put their baby in my hands as a Bible quiz coach. And I, I was a, I was a tough Bible quiz coach. I didn't play with Ashley. I was, I was rough on her at times. And just, we, we, we went down a path together that broke down barriers. And it's really interesting to me to listen to that, that that still permeates and is bearing fruit. Mm-hmm. such that you come from a different background. You don't know any of that history. You don't know even what's going on there. Uh, if I can say it in a rather amusing way, you don't even know what church you're going to. You're just bumbling around trying to figure out where to go to church. Mm-hmm. And yet you walk in and there's something that you're going to feel there because there's a shift in the spirit world. And that's the thing that's amazing to me, Lindsay, is that the answer to this Yes, there are human things that have to be addressed. But at a fundamental level, if God doesn't help us, we're not going to break this down. But he is helping us. The Christian message, true Christianity, not the goofy stuff you're seeing politicians manipulate with. 
but true Christianity that's defined by scripture and by this shall all men know that you're my disciples and that you have loved one for another. That Christianity breaks things down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now you're a vibrant part. And that's why we even asked you to come on tonight. Cause you are a vibrant part of Wilmington and uh, sheep stealer. I'm mad at you, Stanley. Now I'm even more mad that I know the full story, but no, seriously, that's exciting to hear the story of how God, and look at that. You're, you're, you have no clue what you even need or what you want. And yet God. And honestly, it was all, it was never like a rebellion. Like I'm going to do this. I'm going to have a black boyfriend so that I can upset my family or upset. It was just how things worked out. Um, And God knew what he was doing. So. Absolutely. And I was even thinking, so there, there's that aspect, there's the, there's the social aspect. And I've long said, I've said, look, folks, you, you'll never have racial justice until all sides are willing for their children to marry one another. Yeah. It's as simple as that. There is something about grandbabies. I'm headed there. I'm not quite there, but I'm going to have grandbabies sooner than I have had children. And um, grandbabies break down a world of problems. Yeah. And so if, if, if we learn to allow our, our children to love one another, we will lose a lot of our problems. Yeah. And so there's that level. But what's really, really amazing to me is, is the fact that he had a lady at an outback, not preaching, not scripture, just a witness by how she lived. Mm-hmm. She, he had a church where you could go. And boy, I know I, I've never been to the Gainesville church. Um, I know that Brother Fulbert, who you know as well from Bible Quizzing, they went when they left us, they went back down to Gainesville. That's actually where they went for a while before he headed out to Urshan now and is the dean of student affairs. Um, so um, I know I know Jimmy Tony from a distance who now pastors the Gainesville church. But Jeff Arnold, of course, is a, is a well-known man, a very colorful man. Um, in the sense of how he preaches and his style and all of those kinds of things. But also a man that I think many people have missed has a heart of gold. He loves people in a way that is just, is, is there. And I'm sure that permeates that church. Having never been there, I'm going to, I'm going to trust you in that, but it seems to me that that permeates. So there you get that sense. And then he just moves you around and you're being fed in different churches and he just is working. I've got to believe in this day and age in which we're living that he's working on a lot of people and we don't know it. Amen. We don't see it. And if we'd have seen you in high school, all we would have seen was a beach bum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'd have seen it, you know, a, yep. a female jock. Uh, you know, yeah. What does she want with God? And, and yet here God has these great plans and, and he's, and he's working, he's working the long game. Well, that's exciting. All right, Erica, why don't you join us? Let's see if our audience has any other questions. I've gotten waxing eloquent there or, or not so eloquent. Um, do we have some questions that are coming in? People wanting to be nosy yes. about Lindsay's life. Um, I have a question from Sister Debbie Pierce. Uh, what year were you, did you come to Wilmington? The first um, year you came to Wilmington? It was 2016. Yeah, so it's been relatively recent give everybody context folks um the reason 2016 makes a whole lot of sense to me is is just just short time before that uh was the time that i'd been dean at urchin graduate school and had just finished that in in the middle of 2015 so you would have come just that next year so it's not been that long ago 
mm-hmm. uh, when, yeah, so Sister Debbie Pierce would have come to us just shortly, a couple of years before that. Okay, then I have another question from Sister Joyce. And she said, if you don't mind sharing that information with us, how has your family accepted your involvement uh, and or attendance at Wilmington? Um, I think it was a shock just me going from being Catholic to being Pentecostal and just all the transform. I think that was more of a shock. I do think sometimes that maybe they thought that all of Pentecostal was black um, religion um, because someone, Haitian girl brought me to church and stuff, but other than that, they're very supportive. and yeah, they just support me. They do have things to say sometimes, but it's mostly support because they're just happy that I am happy. And then we have a question from Brother Antoine, which is the funny half of Sister Joyce. Um, any funny moments from dredging that you can share with us? Any funny moments? Yes. <laughs> okay, so in the... Philadelphia Naval Basin, there was a lot of UXO in the Naval Basin. And okay, UXO is just like bombs and stuff. It was all spent. And we picked up this one bomb and it's like a little bucket like this, right? So it picks up the dirt and then you put it in this thing called a scout. And there was a bomb hanging out of the bucket like like that. And we talked about how we were gonna put this bomb down for four hours. And we're was it live or was it? They didn't know. So we had to just treat it as if it was live. Treat it, yeah. So then we talked about it for four hours. Are we, let's try to put it on a um, bed, like get a mattress out here. Let's get two tires out here and lay it in between the two tires. Let's like, it was just over and over, like how we're going to put this thing down. And then they're like, you know what? We don't know what, if any of this is going to work, you guys get off the dredge just in case, you know, something happens, less casualties. And I'm like, really? Okay. So then we get off the dredge. The next day I come back and, and they figured out a plan, but something caught the tagline of the dredge and the bucket open and the bomb fell in the water. And that was it. You know, like we spent five hours talking about this and we dropped the bomb back in the water. <laughs> and you don't know whether it's still live or not. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. So we have live bombs in the river. All right. I'm feeling good right now. Oh my goodness. But yeah, that was funny. What were the bombs doing there in the first place? Like what no, era? I don't really know, but um, they, they, they suspect that like, basically they had too many and they didn't, couldn't account for them. So they would just throw it in like over, they had too many over their quota. So like we were just cleaning at one point, the thing that we put the material in caught on fire because when this stuff is coming out of the water, it's needing oxygen after who knows how many years. And it just combusts a little bit, you know, like that we had to get a put out a fire in the scout at some point. Interesting. Yeah. Your government at work, make too many bombs, throw them overboard. Okay. This is sounding good. I love paying my taxes. (laughs) your taxes are paying for that yes i know they are i'm well aware they are that's why i'm sitting here going yeah 
Okay, so another question is, so what do you do at your current engineering job now? I am striving to be a geotechnical engineer. So I like dirt. Um, I, uh, I like to uh, uh, design foundations, I guess, is my main goal. And, um, but I like to be well-rounded. So I do basically everything. But it is, right now I work in DC during the week. I drive there every week and I'm on a site where they're actually remediating a old chemical weapons lab. So we're digging up something that it was a lab that they they uh, made chemical weapons in and then they just flattened it out and burnt it all. So we're cleaning it all up and um, a UXO crew like sifts through it to see what's in it. So do you stay in DC for the week and then just come home on the weekends? Yeah. You ride the train or do you drive? Or? I drive. Okay. I was wondering if you were pulling the Joe Biden on us, you know, riding the train down or not. No, that would be a good uh, outreach method though. It would be, it would be, you need a little bit more money though. I think the Senator's salary probably allowed him to get away with that a little bit more. Yeah. But... I don't think I want to drive the train. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That I, everybody talks about president Biden, you know, his, and I, I take nothing away from his faithfulness coming home every night, et cetera, but it requires a budget. I've ridden the train a few times and that's not a cheap ride. No. Uh, I, I also, doing my PhD, I rode the opposite direction. So about the same time that it takes to go down to D.C., I would ride up into Philly. Uh, and you can get a lot done for that hour, hour and 15 minutes. Uh, it's not wasted time. It wouldn't be a bad way to travel either, but excellent. Okay, and this question is from Sister Meg, uh, the one who has a twin. Is your twin in the same profession? She's a mechanical engineer. Oh, look oh. at that. I'm actually yeah. a rocket scientist. And oh. I always say it's not rocket science, but it actually is. So whatever. So what is she, if I can go on a side trail, because you know, my dad's a rocket scientist. Yes, Literally, he built built missiles in that. What is, what is Without going into anything that's not supposed to be, what does she build or what is she involved with? She actually with? Um, works for this small company called Ursa. And they just make um, the, the rocket part. Um, for satellites, for things like that. And most people um, got off of SpaceX and that's how they ended up making this small company. And okay. I think they have like one or two clients, you know, um, not many yet and just starting up. But she's basically involved with making the rocket portion of, of these things. She's making the rockets themselves. Yeah. Well, she and my dad would have fun talking together then. They would. That's exactly, that's exactly what he was in. Yeah. Of course, he's very dated now. A lot has happened. He'd probably have fun listening to what she's doing now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then we have a question from Sister Betty. Uh, have you had a chance to witness to any of your non-Christian friends from college? Um, actually, yes. So just recently, the girl I moved in with, moved to uh, Gainesville with, her name's Megan Knudsen, um, she came up to visit me for like a month because she works on um, she works on cruise lines. So there's no cruises right now. So she has some downtime and she just got baptized and filled the Holy Ghost this past uh, like two, a month ago, two months ago, December. So, um, yeah. In Wilmington? Yes, in Wilmington. That's the one I saw the testimony about. Excellent. Excellent. I saw her. I didn't realize who she was. So that's your, that's your friend from back in college days. Mm -hmm. 
awesome. Actually from high school. So all the way back to high school. Yeah. Excellent. I've known her since middle school. So there's, so we there's, have, the Lord, there's the Lord working away. Amen. Little by little, piece by piece. Okay, so we have a well, several questions uh, pertaining to your athleticism. Uh, do you have a favorite sport? Uh, do you still play any, or are you involved in any sports somehow? Um, my First of all, before she answers, now I know why she's involved in Bible quizzing. <laughs> totally makes sense now the competition yeah. factor is right there so now i got you now i wondered what attracted you to bible quiz now i know it makes sense it's it's less physical athleticism but there's still yeah. some, there's a yeah. lot of principles of the team all right go ahead what about um, what about physical activity and, and sports my favorite sport is soccer for sure but i'm now i don't really play any sports but i do run uh it's just i just run a lot i ran a marathon uh, two years ago and I've been running less and less because I'm so busy but I like to run I hate to run I can't breathe when I run I think something also... I think something's wrong with me that I cannot breathe when I run <laughs> I want to say that I the first time I went to a bible quizzing practice I really felt like God's presence there and I just it was just different, and I think that's really what drew, drew me. I do like... Uh, so it's not the competition. I'm Lindsay, not like you. You're very competitive. Lindsay took <laughs> it to the spiritual, ladies and gentlemen. You see that? Threw me under the bus at the same time. Preacher's not even spiritual. It's all about the competition. All right, Lindsay. Thump, thump. Here we go. All right, I'll take my licks. I am very competitive. There's no question about it, Lindsay. I do like competition. Absolutely. But... <laughs> You've been around me enough in Bible quizzing and anybody that has, there is a method to my competitive madness. And it yes. is a method that's way beyond the game. Oh, beyond yeah. the game. Okay. So we have a question from Jamie. Um, what was the catalyst to draw you into Bible quizzing? Um, so I guess that moment when I went to the first um, practice where- How did you end up coming to the first practice? Somebody invited you or was Wilmington hosting? I actually started, um, I got into um, Bible quizzing like right away and just started going to the practice. Cause Vicky, like I was so close with Vicky. Vicky would sit in the car with me after every service and just talk to me for an hour. And so I would. So, Vicky, so Vicky's your connect point. Oh yeah. Whatever yeah. Vicky did. For those I who they don't know, Vicky is a Bible quiz coach and has been for a number of years. Absolutely. But at some point, I Vicky kept telling me, we need to learn these doctrine verses. We need these doctrine verses. We need to learn them. So I started learning them. And I'm not trying to get all spiritual, but it really changed my life. Like, it just completely changed my life. Like, and I just know how important it is for these kids to have this in their foundation. Because I, I didn't, and I needed it. Absolutely. So. It's the best study. If there's only yeah. one. I was so privileged. Uh, Lindsay, my last year was Pentecostal doctrine and anybody that's a Bible because you remember a lot of verses, but mm -hmm. your last year, you're not putting anything else on top of it, so to speak. Yeah. And uh, at least I didn't because I've not gone back and kept memorizing. Some of these guys are crazy. My boys will go and memorize still. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. It yeah. hurt too bad the first time. I'm not doing it again. But so that my last memorized verses are all of that Pentecostal doctrine. Okay. And I still to this day, I tell people, I use all kinds of translations, but when it comes to quoting the scriptures, it's coming out KJV because that's yeah. what I memorized. 
Yeah. So it's in my memory. And that's a powerful study that, that it really is. Yes, it really is. It's a, it's a great study. Mm -hmm. Erica, any more questions coming in at the moment? No. All right. So I've got a question for you, Lindsay. I've been holding back on this question, but I, I, I want to ask you, um, tell us about, so you, you came to Wilmington in about 2016. Um, and so now we're in 2020. So we're four years in, tell us about, uh, kind of the progress or the progression uh, of getting involved, you know, and, and talk a little bit about what you do in the church. What did, what did you, how are you contributing? How are you serving? What are you, what, okay. and, and kind of the progression of it, if you will. I, I had this one in the back of my head in case we ran out of some questions that we could turn to this and, and uh, talk about this, this kind of continuing the journey because your journey started, you know, you don't even know, you know, you got a Catholic background, so you know about God, but it's it's a part of life but it's not a central part of life if you will it's not the main thing etc and so this whole journey so what what what's it look like now how did you start getting involved in what areas um i started out like bible quizzing like i said and then i just really felt like i wanted to do more and i didn't want to sit in other people's sacrifice i saw other people working and so then i started getting into sunday school and um, I don't, I never thought I was very good with teaching kids, but now I'm the Sunday school like director, leader, or uh, I guess leader. So, um, so when you started teaching, who did you start teaching? What age? Um, three to five. And I was oh, an exciting age. Yeah, I'm just really not good. Like, I feel like you just like yell back and forth with them and, <laughs> and then, like, ask them funny questions. And they're like, no, you don't get baptized by lighting yourself on fire. You know, like just like being ridiculous. Right. So, but, so, so now you actually now uh, are you still teaching or are you more helping other teachers as they are? Are no, you I'm on the administrative teaching. side or are you still teaching? I'm still teaching. What age group? That age group or another? It's actually two uh, potty trained to 12. So we're trying to make a children's church and okay. it's been a challenge, but it's been going pretty good. Good. Yeah. Excellent. Any other areas that you're involved in or that you've, or has it been very focused upon children? Well, I started going to UGST and then um, pastor asked me to be on the ministerial team. And so I, I'm just involved in outreach. I've, um, attempted to preach a few times. So just ministering, um, in general. Good. What are you studying at UGST? Which degree program are you in? The pastoral counseling master's okay. in Christian ministry. All right. Excellent. So you have you, I assume you've had classes with my big sister, Cindy Miller. Yes. I've made, had one class with her so far. Has she made you cry yet? Um, I did cry and I rode back on the plane with her. Ah, and we might have cried. I don't know. She, but makes it was every, she makes everybody cry. That's what they say. She makes everybody cry. I refuse to let her make me cry. I won't. I won't have anything to do with it. Though, uh, get her sometime. Next time you have a class with her, get her because she'll tell it to you very funny. And then you got to come back and get my side of the story. Because when I was teaching there once, she used me. Um, she and I were to play husband and wife, which is that's a funny thing in and of itself, but. And we're coming in for marriage counseling. And one of her ex-students was being the counselor. And so she told 
the counselor what she was going to do. She told me what I was to do. And we came into the class and Sister Miller did not do anything of what she told us. She changed everything and she got under my skin. And what's more horrible about it is not only was her entire class there to learn, to quote, learn, but my entire class was there to spectate. So this was a whole joint, two big J terms all sitting together as Sister Cindy Miller acted like the wife from hell. And I mean, unhinged. I, the one positive that came out of it is I came home and I said, Regina, no matter how bad you ever are again, I love you, I love you, I love you. You're so ridiculous. <laughs> it was horrible. I've never had, and Cindy, Cindy afterwards, <laughs> Dr. Miller said, I packed about five of my worst patients into that one. And I'm like, oh. I wanted to clock you. <laughs> Get her to tell it. She tells it very funny. I don't think it's funny. I still have PTSD from it. I have to hear about it. That's oh yeah, ask her. Ask her. Say, I heard that uh, you know you and 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 Stephen did something in a class. Oh, she'll light up. She loves to tell the story. She thinks it's very funny. Anybody else? I'm dominating a little bit there. Anybody else ask a follow up question, Sister Erica? Uh, yes. <laughs> They're trying to make me laugh on purpose. So I'm going to ask this question. This is from uh, Antoine again. He's a troublemaker. So would you have stayed with Newark UPC had Stephen been at Wilmington? Oh, um, no. <laughs> so in other words, Antoine, you're saying that I'm the problem? Dude, <laughs> smack, smack. What's your problem? Cut it out. <laughs> no, it sounds like, it sounds like God wanted her there. Because the because the circumstances are they seem like insignificant. Like yeah. <laughs> you thought you were supposed to go to wherever was closest to you, and yeah, you know, the I website. only stayed because of his father, but no, because he was funny. He like pulled me aside afterwards. Let's oh, talk yeah. for a little bit. <laughs> no, my dad. My dad knew how to connect with people. There's no question about that. Absolutely, absolutely. Any others, Erica? Uh, yes. Uh, this is pertaining to what you're going to school for now. What do you actually want to do with your um, degree? So I honestly don't know. Um, I just know that I wanted to know more about the word of God and I wanted to sow into that. And I'm not good at teaching myself. So I, I, I'm not good at dedicating myself to learning something. So I just felt a call to go to UGST and continue my education. Good, good. Uh, education is something that is an investment. Um, sometimes it's a targeted investment. In other words, we know exactly what we're going to do. But many times it's teaching us things that we don't know the application until much later. Mm -hmm. And then we look back and go, oh, and God uses it. It's also like we plant things into the ground and then he brings forth fruit from it. So Amen. Yeah, I, I'm really glad, glad you're going there and glad you're enjoying it. Um, you were preceded, I believe, by a future guest that's going to be with us in a couple of weeks by Monique. Um, mm -hmm. I think Monique, another one of our sisters from Wilmington. Um, she's already graduated, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, folks, we are almost to the top of the hour. Erica, do we have any others? Am I cutting anybody else off? No. You're all not right. anybody else. Excellent. Well, first of all, Lindsay, let me say thank you for coming and spending the evening with us, spending an hour with us. It's been enjoyable. I think I might remember part of this story now. I was, eh. you're not believing me? See, 
See, this isn't even fair. You, you don't even go to my church and you act like you do. Cut it out. Treat me with a little respect there. Mm -hmm. No, I'm kidding. It's been a joy hearing, hearing the work of God. And uh, part of the reason, folks, that I, I'm excited by Lindsay's story, and, and I was very excited and honored to be able to be the host of, uh, of tonight, is because, if I can, on a, on a pointed note, have you recognize how very little produced so very much? In other words, Lindsay, her life, her ministry, and we haven't even seen all that God is going to unfold within her life. And yet what many of us consider so insignificant, or let me put it this way, we think we need to do more. And it started with simply understanding that God is at work in people's lives long before we even know it. And we don't know what he's done before we meet them. And then we hear the story of a young lady who just simply was happy to be a Christian and live that out. And you can't tell me that she didn't face problems and troubles in that, but she approached them as a Christian and Lindsay was watching and that starts the story. And from there it just unfolds. And so the message is go and do thou likewise. Yeah, you know, it, stop thinking you got to be the preacher. Stop thinking you got to be able to quote scripture. Stop thinking you got to even teach a Bible study. I'm not telling you you don't need to, but I'm also telling you that that isn't the only thing that's involved there. Go be a Christian. Be happy to be a Christian. Have faith in this gospel and trust that the king is seeking out those who want to be saved. Um, and so this has been encouraging. I hope that you've been encouraged by it. If this is your first time with us, again, a special welcome to you. Thank you for spending the evening with us. We've enjoyed having you. Uh, as we always say, go to our website, newarkupc.info. You can find out a lot of things about us, and particularly in this COVID season where we're meeting only on our digital campus, our physical campus. We're actually repairing it and doing things on it, but we're not meeting corporately there. And so we broadcast every night except for Monday night. So Tuesday through Sunday, 7 o'clock, we are on. We've got small groups that meet as well on Zoom, and uh, you can find out information there. We've got children's groups that meet as well. There's information on the website there. You can partner with, with us in giving. Um, if you've got praise reports, you've got prayer requests, anyway, go to newarkupc.info. There's lots of information there. And uh, again, Lindsay, thank you for being with us tonight. It's been an honor and a privilege. And uh, to the rest of you, God bless. We trust that you have a great night, and we will see you tomorrow night at 7 p.m.